0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. First Timothy chapter six, verse six, Paul writes, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know that car that uh, you just paid off last month or last year. And you say that's mine. I own. It. We learn that from a very young age, don't we? I've got grandchildren right now. They can barely. They can't put a sentence together, but they can say mine. Mine. I take ownership of this. That's mine. You can't play with that. That's mine. We learn at a very young age how to feel like we possess things that really quite honestly, we never possess. Paul's trying to let Timothy know everything that you have or might acquire in this life, you're just managing it. You came with nothing, you'll leave the same way. Having food and raiment, let us therewith (coughs) be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation, and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil. Don't ever get that confused with money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. You rule money. Money should not rule you. It's okay for you to have money. I hope you do. I hope that every last one of you have everything laid out. I hope you get good jobs, and when you're done with that job, you get a better job until the day that you can set it all aside and retire Spend the rest of your days not worrying about money. I hope hope that, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And then in verse 12, he says this one good thing. It says fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses that's what it all boils down to for each and every one of us we're only here for a little while life's as a vapor that steam that comes out of your tea kettle rises out of your boiling pot of water drifts up in the air and then disappears and dissipates into the surrounding air around it. In the whole scheme of eternity, that's what our life is like, and that's why it's important that we live it the right way. He says, fight the good fight of faith. So I just want to preach to you, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. The world is getting darker, and you're having troubles and problems surround you fight on. Fight the good fight. Don't just fight any fight. Fight the good fight. You may be seated today.
1: That's Paul's instructions to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight, Timothy. He
0: says, you're going to get into problems. You're going to have turmoil arise in your life. But Timothy, if you're going to get into a scrap, if you're going to get into a a fight, make sure that when you pick sides, that you're on the right one. It's very important today. There's nothing worse than finding out that you've been fighting for the wrong things. You've been fighting on the wrong side. The story that intrigued me goes all the way back to World War II, 1945. There's a young man by the name of Jorgen Moltman that is, found himself in a prison camp. He's a young man in a POW camp in Scotland. Not one of our boys, uh, his name kind of gave that away, Jorgen Moltman Does not sound like too much of an American name. But this young man had been a reluctant soldier in Hitler's army.
1: Captured and detained inside a prison in Scotland. He's had months with only his thoughts
0: and small bits and pieces of news of the war that find their way into the prison camp, none of it promising. The war is now over. His leader is now dead. His cities, major cities in his country are reduced to rubble. At night, he lays his head down and goes to sleep, but he does not sleep peacefully. It's not a peaceful slumber. No, when he closes his eyes at night, All of the atrocities that he's been a part of come flooding back into his mind. Some of the things that he's had to be a part of, the battles that he was in, they fill his thoughts and repeating nightmares occur over and over and over where he relives what he has been a part of. And he explains it himself in the book that he wrote. He said, as bad as all of that was, the worst was still yet to come my own thoughts, I can't think of anything worse than having to lay down and not be able to get a good night's sleep because I'm tormented by the thoughts of being a part of something so horrific as war that
1: he said the worst was yet to come. It was September 1945 in Camp Number
0: 22 in Scotland that Jorgen and the other POWs were confronted with the horrific pictures of the concentration camps of Belsen and Auschwitz and they were quietly just pinned up in the huts. No fanfare about it, no curses made, but they woke up one morning to find these pictures pinned up all of inside the huts. And one by one the POWs began to walk around and and, and see the horrific pictures of what had taken place under their leadership's watch and what they had actually most of them unknowingly been a part of slowly the truth began to filter into their awareness and they saw themselves mirrored in the eyes of the nazi victims that were in those pictures he writes in his book where he asked himself a question a question he could not he could not elude he had to come to terms with this question, and this is what he said. He says, was this what I was fighting for? Is this what I was a part of? His homeland in total destruction. He's being held captive, not knowing how long his captivity will last, and now he finds out that what he was fighting for was one of the greatest atrocities the world has ever seen and he finds himself, along with many of the other POWs that were captured there with him, drowning in the shame of what they had been a part of, of what they had been fighting for, not realizing
1: the atrocities that they were linked to. Yet it was in the midst of this shame and despair that a visiting chaplain came and
0: handed Young Jorgen, a Bible. It's not like he had so much to do. So he began to open up the pages of that small Bible that he had been given in that POW
1: camp, and he began to read the stories that were in that scripture. As he read, he came across the story of the crucifixion. He
0: encountered a God, robed in flesh, who knew what it was like to experience suffering and abandonment and shame and feeling utterly forsaken himself. Jorgen found a friend in Jesus that he could relate to. The words rang out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in his own heart and in his own mind, he felt much the same way. And he said, I can relate to this suffering. I can relate to this abandonment. I can relate to the shame that this man, Jesus, was feeling. It was in 1947 that he was given permission to attend, along with the other POWs, a Christian conference that brought together young people from all across the world. There at that conference were some Dutch young people And those young people from that area asked to meet with the German POWs who had fought in the Netherlands. Well, Moltmann, Moltmann being one of those POWs, attended that meeting and went to that meeting full of fear and the feelings of guilt that were just gnawing away at his, his mind. And the shame, those feelings only intensified as those Dutch Christians spoke of the pain that the German military had brought on their own lives, of the loss of life and family members that were no longer there because of the German army that had come into their country and and how it had affected and inflicted them and the dread that the Gestapo had bred in their hearts and of the family and the friend that they had lost and the damage that had been done to their communities. The shame and the guilt almost overwhelmed them and then something happened that, he never expected to happen. Because instead of vindictiveness and hatred that he expected to feel, even though those things were spoken, were, uh, that were spoken that day were true,
1: they were not spoken in a way that made the young German feel hatred. But those Dutch young
0: people that were at that conference stood up and they said, we are not here to condemn you.
1: We asked for this meeting so that you would, you would know that we forgive you. We forgive you. Jorgen Moltmann did not waste his opportunity. But that moment changed his
0: life. If you read some of his story, you will know that he would go on to become one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. Years later, he penned these words, but the ultimate reason for our hope is not to be found at all in what we want, what we wish for, and what we wait for, but the ultimate reason for
1: hope is that we are wanted and that we are wished for and we are waited for. This young German military man found that even though he
0: had been fighting for all the wrong things and doing things all wrong for all these years, that there was still a man that was reaching out to him, that there was still forgiveness that could be found, that his story had not yet finished, that it had not come to an end, that his suffering was not completely in vain and his shame could be washed away by one simple thing called forgiveness.
1: And he found that forgiveness in Jesus Christ and it changed his life. Makes me think of this relationship that Paul seemed to have with Timothy. Paul, you know
0: anything about Paul? Strong, unafraid, this dominating figure of the New Testament, this man speaking boldly of his conversion and the gospel wherever he went. He wasn't afraid to stand before governors. He wasn't afraid to to be sent to prison. He took his beatings. He took the suffering and the pain and the shame. He took all of that. But you stick him in a prison cell, you're going to have to change the guards fairly rapidly, my friend, because it wasn't long before he was standing at the bars whispering out to the guards, hey, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And they had to
1: replace the guards every few hours or he would convert the guards to Christianity. This bold man of God. Timothy seemed to sometimes need a little encouragement
0: from Paul in my readings. He was good and kind and loved God, but Paul would say things to Timothy like, stir up the gift that is within you, Timothy. Don't let those embers die. Don't let them become cold. Don't let the gift that God has given you, don't let it dissipate in your life, but keep it stirred up, Timothy. You're going to need to be on fire one of these days, and when that time comes, you're not going to be able to stir it up. You're going to have to keep it stirred up, and I would tell this congregation today, don't let the Holy Ghost become. Aside at him in your life, but keep the gift that God has given you stirred up. Keep the flames rolling of the Holy Ghost in your life. We say things like "be braced up" and "be not ashamed."
1: <laughs> in our modern-day language, we might tell somebody, "Hey, it's time to put your big boy pants on here, Timothy." Come on,
0: it's time to quit complaining about everything that ain't and start talking about what can be. Sometimes we get focused on all the wrong things, amen. Sometimes we get burdened down with things that we can't control and things that are are far beyond our our, our realm of reach, amen. But God has come to tell somebody today, put him first, amen. If you're going to fight and this world is going to give you a fight, fight for the right things, amen. Fight for what is eternal. Fight for what is right. Fight for the kingdom of God, and God will never let you down. You fight the good fight, faith. Paul understood that because just about everywhere he went, it was either revival or riot. He stirred things up wherever he went.
1: I've always noticed that strong preaching does two things: feeds the hungry, and it annoys the half-hearted. It brings things to the surface, either good or
0: ugly. I've said it for a long time now. People love straight preaching as long as it's straight at somebody else. Preach on, preacher. My neighbor needs to hear this. Preach on... Preacher, my husband needs to hear this. My wife needs to hear this. My children need to hear this. Well, so what about when it hits you right between the eyes? Are we still going to stand up and say, thank you, God, for convicting me? Conviction is a good thing. Amen. He did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. You're already condemned. You don't need me to condemn you. You don't need his word to condemn you. You need him to save you.
1: For that to happen you're going to have to be willing to fight. Paul wasn't much interested in people that weren't willing
0: to commit. He never demanded that they be brilliant. He never demanded that they be perfect. God doesn't demand that you be brilliant or that you be perfect. But he just didn't have much time for people that played around with God. He wasn't up for tiptoeing around the issues. He just
1: kind of barged right in and said what needed to be said. It didn't matter who he was talking to. He's standing before King Agrippa, chamber full of powerful people. Bound
0: in chains. He's not there. He's not there on their level, so to speak. He has no authority. He's a prisoner. But you will not find Paul using his education and his background to get himself released.
1: He's not saying, don't you know who I am? He's giving his testimony. What are we made overcomers by? Blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right?
0: I feel sorry for people that don't have a testimony. I feel even more sorry for people that have a
1: testimony but aren't willing to share that testimony. Paul is standing before king. He's not telling him where he was schooled at or who he is or what
0: lofty heights position that he holds or has held in the past.
1: Acts chapter 26 and 24, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. The Bible says, Festus said it this way. You're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is made you mad. Paul says I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied
0: what am I what I am saying is true and reasonable. He said the king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. We've not been secret society over here. We're not stepping off into some Basement where we've got to keep still and be quiet, and we can't let this thing get out. He said, Everything we've done, we've done out in the open. Everything we've done, we've done where everybody and anybody can see it. We're not hiding in a corner someplace. We're preaching this gospel. We're not ashamed of who we are in Him. I'm not ashamed of it if it gets me in trouble. I'm not ashamed of it if it gets me praised. I'm just here to do one thing,
1: and that is to preach Jesus Christ. So he looks at King Agrippa, and he says, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa
0: says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a a Christian? Paul said, I don't care if it's today or somewhere down the road, short time or long time, really, doesn't matter to me. I just have one prayer. I pray that God, that God, not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains." He said, "You take these chains off of me, and if you could see me through God's eyes, you'd want to be just like I am." Hey Amen. I, you, you may put me in these chains, but but you cannot chain what is inside of me. And I'm not just speaking to you, Agrippa. I'm not just speaking to you, Festus. But everybody under the earshot of where what where I'm at in this room today, I want everybody to hear. Now, we don't have any record of it, but I've just got a feeling that whether Agrippa ever came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the full of his glory or Festus ever did that there were people that walked out of there that day that heard the word of Jesus Christ and received that truth in their life. We don't know friend but what I'm telling you today there's going to be a fight on your hands one of these days. You might as well be fighting for the right side. Don't get wrapped up fighting for the wrong side. Fight for what is right and good and pure and true and holy and stand your ground against the things that would try to
1: strip away the things that God has given to you. Short time or long time, I just pray that God speaks to you. He understood and was committed to fight the good fight. So he records it and he tells Timothy. He wants
0: Timothy to understand that this cause of Christ was worth laying down everything
1: else, even if his life, if need be, to gain Christ and his glory. So Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. He said, I'm not just running in circles here. I'm not just meandering or walking blindly. I'm not just cruising through life with no
0: understanding of the end goal. I'm not swinging with my eyes clo- closed, up, hoping that I can land a punch. I- I- I'm not fighting that way. I'm not fighting as somebody who's boxing with his own shadow. That's not what I'm doing, but I'm marching into this thing with my eyes wide open, knowing that it may cost me everything down here. But the thing is, my eyes are not fixed on the here and now. My eyes are not fixed on this world and all of its temporal things that it has to offer. I've set my gaze on a much loftier height, and so it does not matter what happens to me while I live here on this earth, because I don't plan on staying here. My My eyes are set on a heavenly kingdom. My eyes are set on a loftier goal. You can do whatever you want to to me down here while I'm alive on this
1: planet, but I am going to one day walk the streets of gold. Love that old song. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond
0: where the saved of earth shall soon his glory share
1: the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there." That's a promise that we have. God said,
0: I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye. Every tear, I'm going to wipe from your eye. Those tears that you shed while you're here on this earth, those the pain that you feel, and, and the heartbreak that you that you have to suffer through, and the, and, and the things that go against you, and the betrayal that you may have to suffer while you, every one day, all it's going to take is one moment in the presence of the King of all kings, amen, when you step on the other side, and all of those tears are going to be wiped away, amen, there is a happy land of promise waiting for us just on the other side, amen, you may not be be promised that while you live here amen you may have to suffer some things while you live here you're gonna to have to fight one way or the other amen but while you're here on this earth let me just take give you this one piece of advice fight the good fight of faith amen keep your faith in jesus
1: christ strong because there's going to be things that will try to take that from you our music come today Paul ends his last letter to Timothy with this. He realizes it's coming to an end and he's okay with that. He's okay with that. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. We were talking about my dad and uh, all that just kind of came up rather quickly With his health and
0: we thought everything was pretty much okay and then find out that he's got to have a very serious surgery the doctors as they always do sat down with my father and they began to explain to him all the risk you know this could happen we don't expect this to happen but this could happen my dad looked at that doctor and he said listen He said, if I make it through this surgery, I'll go on living and I'll thank God for my life and my family. I'll spend more time with my family. But he said, if I don't, if I don't, then I'll wake up. My next breath will be in glory. And he looked at the doctor and he simply said this, I can't lose. I can't lose. How many people drift off into eternity fearing what they may wake up to? Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you, but walk into your next day of life knowing that, should it be your last day, I can't lose. Paul says, I've fought a good fight. Would you stand with me today? I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearing." And then he says this to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. I've never been a preacher that has tried to scare people into an altar. Fear lasts just a short time, I found that out. What you feared a year ago, you may not fear today. What you feared as a child, you've probably grown out of. You don't fear that anymore. Fear is temporary, but love lasts. I would just like to say to you today, as I close this message, we're too close to give up now. It doesn't matter if you're the only one in your family that's serving the Lord the only one in the school that's serving the Lord or your class this is a fight worth fighting it doesn't matter if the world tries to tell you those things are old and outdated and antiquated you don't need to do that anymore what does the word of the Lord say stay in the word fight the good fight You don't want to get to that place in life where you turn around and you look and see that everything that you fought for has been stripped away, that you've been fighting for the wrong thing your entire life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The other things will be added to you. I wonder if on this Veterans Day weekend we've already honored those that have been willing to lay down their lives for their countrymen, for our freedoms, and I wonder today as they begin to sing this song if we could gather in today those of you that would and thank the one who purchased our spiritual freedom today. I'm going to invite.